Hello and welcome to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. As always, I'm your host, Mitch Michaels. Thanks for joining me on this sports podcast where we cover all the top news and storylines in sports. We keep it funny, we keep it fresh, and there's always a ton of new and exciting guests and people to talk sports with. Today is an example of just that. I was in St. Louis this past weekend, got the chance to catch up with Rachel Stillman. Rachel is a tennis coach, a personal trainer, and also does some fitness work, some modeling work as well. She's built up quite a brand for herself. Rachel enjoyed a very, very good prep career in the sport of tennis, starting at Kirkwood, Missouri, Kirkwood High School, where as a sophomore, she got to the number one recruit in the state, and I apologize to her after. I kind of shortchanged her by only saying she got up to number two, but she was in that number one spot, that top gun role, and uh, she ended up going down to Texas, Newcomb Tennis Academy, to finish up her high school career, signed with Mizzou, played there in college. As all 20-somethings do, she kind of took some time to figure it out. I've landed on her feet nicely as a tennis coach, as a as somebody that teaches the game and trains other athletes, including pro-caliber athletes in other sports. Rachel was a great guest, one of the best guests I've had on this show, which, oddly enough, is quickly approaching its first uh, anniversary. It's been a year that we've been doing this, but Rachel uh, booked her ticket into the Guest Hall of Fame. She was great to talk to. She had a lot of things to say about the current state of professional tennis, the college tennis experience, uh, what it was like growing up in St. Louis, how tennis can help itself, what some good things the USDA are doing to help themselves, and also what young players are doing right and wrong, some things she sees that she'd like to see fixed in training, and just how people can live healthier lives. It was a lot to talk about, but Rachel uh, did it just well, and uh, I was very, very pleased to uh, learn some things as well. I always like learning some things, and having a guest like Rachel Stolman was able who was able to teach me was a blessing with that. But Rachel Stolman, Money Mitch Effect, here's that interview now. All right, welcome to the Money Mitch Effect. We're in St. Louis, downtown on a Friday afternoon into evening. It's been a while since I've been back. I'm delighted to have on today's show St. Louis's own Rachel Stolman, a tennis player, former tennis player at Mizzou, and a very good prep career, now working in the coaching, personal training area. Rachel, thanks for joining the show. Thank you for having me. I'm really happy to be here. I'm, I'm glad you were able to come on. I'm glad we were able to make this work in the in the Marriott Grand downtown. <laughs> it's a, a makeshift recording studio, and one of the few times I've taken the show on the road away from the West Coast. But as a tennis person, and I'm always delighted to talk to somebody that dedicated their life to the game. You're somebody that's seen it from both sides, and I want to start there. You work in coaching now, but as a player, you had a, a great career, and it started growing up in this city, St. Louis. I always ask this question to athletes first, but what made you fall in love with the game? What was it about tennis that really stood out at a young age? So I have a unique story where um, I'm actually a triplet, and um, when my triplet brother and sister and I, when we were young, our parents told us to pick a sport kind of different from each other so we wouldn't be competing. Um, neither of my parents play. I still have no idea to this day why I chose a sport of tennis to play. Um, my brother chose hockey and my sister did gymnastics. And I mean, it just stuck with me. I, f I remember I just fell in love with it at a very young age and, and stuck with it. And then moving forward, my, my brother switched and started playing tennis. And, and when he was about 12 and my sister, she didn't play, but she swam. She 
ended up switching to swimming. So, so just found it, and, and that's how it worked. It's and that simple. Yeah, wow. stuck with it. Well, it it's interesting to me too. I didn't know that you were a triplet, and it was one of those things where you said your family kind of encouraged you to go in different directions. Did you get to pick first, or I don't remember. Honestly, <laughs> I don't. I don't even know how. Like, I knew what tennis was at that age, um, but I don't know. I guess I just liked it. It was meant to be. So. And did you grow up in the Kirkwood area? I know that's where mm. you started in high school, but that was your your neck of the woods. Yeah. Um, what did you think, and I guess going forward, about playing tennis, youth tennis in St. Louis? There's been a lot of debates about some cities not having the best courts, the best facilities. Do you think St. Louis is a good place for people to pick up the game? Yeah, I really do. Um, St. Louis actually has like a lot of tennis history to it. Had the privilege of hearing Jimmy Connor speak at his um, Hall of Fame induction a few months ago. And and just kind of being reminded by him, like the actual history that St. Louis has. Arthur Ashe played here in, in his juniors. He trained here. Jimmy Connors and his brother Johnny played here. Just a lot of good history. Um, as far as like currently, there are lots of great clubs. Lots of it, There are a few like really great academies, a few really great coaches around the area. So I think it's a really great place for juniors to grow up. In. And it's, it's a pretty big tennis city, like not only with juniors, but also um, adult leagues and and um, women's leagues and USTA leagues so it's yeah it's a pretty big tennis city seeing somebody like a Jimmy Connors or even an Arthur Ashe that was here to actually make it from your city and in a game like tennis where it's so international that has to mean you know that little bit extra like you've seen a professional come out of this very neighborhood oh yeah it's so inspiring and and I I remember at the induction a bunch of juniors there and I remember seeing their faces, and I'm pretty sure they were pretty inspired by just Jimmy seeing Jimmy Connors and the success he had coming out of St. Louis, and and so yeah. And I asked this to a lot of people, but you're a St. Louis native. You've traveled a bunch, but this is home. This is where your home base is. It means a lot to you. And even when you were going to high school and traveling away to go to high school, you still consider this home. What what did it mean to grow up here and and be a native yeah. of St. Louis? I just love St. Louis. I was talking to a friend about this the other day that people from St. Louis just have like a kind of pride for the city. Like everyone's always wearing St. Louis gear, or, like posting like hashtag STL, like things like that. Everyone just loves it. I love St. Louis. My both my um, parents' families grew up here and lived here, and it just is home. It's where I'm comfortable. Um, I love coming back home. And when I was at Mizzou, when I was at Texas, when I was in Idaho, like all those places, I just wanted to come home and and uh, visit St. Louis because I love it so much. And I, and I know we're jumping ahead here, but I have to bring up when you were at Mizzou, you actually had a couple fortunate opportunities to play tennis in St. Louis. Yeah. Uh, a couple of those moments, I guess, were scheduled. Some were just like rain delay reschedules. What was that like to be back on the home base playing in college in front of friends and family? Yeah, I remember that being so special. I remember it was during my junior year. Um, we Our courts were under construction up at Mizzou, and um, so we needed a, a host place to play our matches. And, and Dwight Davis decided to host uh, the Mizzou tennis matches. I just remember being so excited like that that was our home court, but it really was my home court, like playing there. And, um, and so it was just really fun. My whole family, some friends and coaches got to come and watch me play and support. And I'm grateful for that. It was just a really good experience. So. Yeah, I can imagine. Well, to get to Mizzou, still talking with Rachel Stolman on the Money Mitch Effect, you played youth tennis growing up in Kirkwood, got to Kirkwood High School, you know, won a state championship, we're up to number two in the entire state. But how did you get to that point? At what age do you remember it 
tennis getting really serious to you really developing and dedicating yourself to the game? I remember in high school, like freshman and sophomore year, um, I was I remember thinking, okay, college is the next step. I need to get to that next level where I can get a full ride somewhere and play college tennis. And uh, I'm very lucky that my parents, they agreed to send me to a tennis academy my junior year of high school. So I completed two years at Kirkwood High School and then moved off to um, New Braunfels, Texas at Nukes Tennis Academy. And um, a whole year I was there training. And I mean, they they gave me all the resources to become a better tennis player. And it was it was great tennis players. It was great coaches. It was everything that you needed to take yourself to the next level or a few levels was was there. And so that's where I did get better was that junior year of high school when I was in nukes though. So. Well it just shows you I guess how competitive and how tough it is to make it in this sport because here you are as a sophomore having won state championships being number two in the in the state thinking that I need to make this move to get even better from there. I, mean, I don't know many sports maybe it's the international competitive nature of it but realizing that this is good I've, I've almost taken it as far as I can in Missouri there's more for me but I have to relocate and go to this academy. Yeah yeah, that certainly is. I mean, it is unique where um, like tennis is an individual sport. It's not a team thing. And I guess that, I mean, in answer to your question, I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> no, it's, no, no I, it's, it's hard to explain too because yeah. in, in, and I compare it a lot. I, I grew up playing hockey and I, I just think you get that international flavor to it to where you need to keep traveling. You need to keep finding another way, another club to play for. Look at like, I mean, a lot of the Americans that have made it dating back to the Agassiz, the Roddicks, the Couriers. I mean, I know I'm naming all the guys that went to the same Florida Academy, but a lot Mm -hmm. of people had to leave their homes at an early age to make it. Were were you worried about that at all? Was there a level of homesickness? Because you're still just a kid at that point having to leave your family. Yeah. I remember being just really, really excited and um, my having my family support and my parents' support definitely made it a lot easier. I remember um, just brutal training days, 5 a.m. practice or weights and, and going throughout the entire day, maybe going to school for a couple hours and then, and then working out the rest of the day, training the rest of the day and coming back home, just being pretty tired. And, and, and I remember missing my family, but um, my parents were always so supportive and definitely made me feel better and, and told me to keep on my dreams so I'm, I'm grateful for them did you have any near moments where you might have reached a breaking point because you hear that a lot with burnout yeah. with athletes and I actually had a friend that was a somewhat of a tennis prodigy that stopped you know that, that couldn't that, that hit that wall and wasn't able to, to keep going did you ever get close to anything like that yeah I, there was never a point where I was ever going to give up on the sport certainly had hit some lows and and so was very discouraged a couple times in my career but never enough to make me stop playing the sport I love so yeah well I mean you have to have a, a true passion and, and a willingness to to commit I think in any sport people see the end result the game but they don't see what goes into it you could have traveled to a lot of different places New Braunfels though isn't terrible <laughs> you're kind of in, in between Austin and San Antonio did you like your your stay there living there on the I guess on the social side away from tennis yeah I mean I was 15 16 so I mean I was I mean I I don't think I had a car there <laughs> so uh no but I was I mean I was there and what was fun was there were so many people training at the academy from around the world really different countries um I made friends with uh, a bunch of people I'm still friends with, and, and some are on tour right now, some are doing their thing. We all went through the college tennis 
career. But uh, no, it was it definitely was fun because I made a lot of friends and and met a lot of really cool people. So no, that's that's good that you can at least make those lifelong bonds that at the very least will will stick with you and, and playing a sport that you love to do it. Well, you ended up at Mizzou. And you had offers, it's my understanding, from other schools. I think Penn State and Texas Tech were on your list. But Mizzou, by all accounts, it's in your blood. It's you're you know a child of Mizzou grads. Did that play a factor, or was it more on the tennis side? Did you just like what the program was doing? Um, so I would say definitely both. Mizzou certainly is in my blood. I have family members that um, went there. And I remember traveling to tournaments. Uh, we would stop, like if we were going to Kansas City driving, we'd stop in Columbia. And, and yeah, so I would just yeah. see Mizzou. So I had little memories growing up of the university. I remember going on visits. I took a visit to Colorado, an official visit to Colorado, an official visit to LSU. I remember loving those campuses. I was so close to committing to LSU. But um, at the end of the day, like I remember it was just, it just felt right. Mizzou was in my heart. like. Um, it, it was home for me, so it was, yeah, it was a good decision. What was the current state, if you don't mind me asking, of the program when you got there? Were they doing well? Was it a rebuild situation? What was it like when you set on campus there? Um, my freshman year was actually different because um, I remember it was a week before season started. I got a, uh, e- an email from the head coach that recruited me, Blake Starkey, and um, it said that he wasn't coming back for that year. Oh, oh no. Sit- yeah, so he, I remember just freaking out um like the coach that recruited me he's leaving right before my first season but uh it turned out we ended up getting an interim head coach Steve Stuckenshire he who he's just fantastic I still keep in touch with him to this day and so that was definitely different where um we had an interim head coach for my freshman year and it was cool we were still in the big 12 then so was playing all the Baylor Texas all those schools got to travel to all those schools for two years so was there a moment when you're like when you're playing for Mizzou where you felt like, wow, I'm, I'm playing college tennis, this is surreal, like a first weekend, maybe a Big 12 trip that really got to you? Oh yeah, a few. I remember feeling that way a few different times. Um, I, I know it was a lot during my freshman year and then uh, my sophomore year at the All-American Tournament in LA, I remember feeling that way. Playing at Georgia my senior year um, on, it was the college match day on ESPN3, I remember feeling that just such pride like representing Mizzou and and then like I remember thinking just being in class like it's just bigger like you're playing for everyone you're playing for everyone at Mizzou and and I don't know anyone who's been to Mizzou before I just remember feeling that way just feeling so special it had to be pretty nerve-wracking I I would imagine were you somebody that took your pre-match traditions (laughs) and and, uh you know were were you somebody that had to do the same routine every time or yeah kind of lax on that yeah, I would say I wasn't, like, psycho about it, but I certainly did have my routine. Like, I wasn't, like, a Rafael Nadal who, who, no, who that guy, to I a mean. T. But, um, no, I, I definitely had my routines that I followed, and and they helped me. So So if your water bottle wasn't facing court, it was still okay. <laughs> I wouldn't, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't care. Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah, that's just a little awkward. But yeah. <laughs> the takeaway, Rachel, from playing at Mizzou, your years there, was that, I mean, did it have its ups and downs? I'm assuming that playing college tennis is a great experience but I don't think a lot of people realize the grind of being a college athlete balancing it with school the traveling the training how do you take away your experience why do you you know evaluate what you went through yeah uh, being a student athlete is, is one of the best things in my life definitely learned a lot went through a lot of ups and downs just like taking things into the real world now like 
I learned being a student athlete, like time management, mm-hmm. like that's one huge thing you learn. You got to manage studying, practice, um, everything that you do is um, on a timely basis. So that transferred in my life, um, even just determination and, and playing tough matches, like not giving up and persevering, like that definitely carries on to my life. Like after playing college tennis, I know other athletes feel the same way. And on a time management, you hit the nail on the head. It's you. You have no choice. You have to adapt. You have to mm-hmm. be able to just set time apart for school, for training, for even free time. At that age, I think it really does give athletes a jump start going into their next profession. And at that point, I mean, you're playing college tennis. You're you're playing singles. You're playing doubles. Was this one of the first times you really? you know, interacted and, and maybe felt like part of a true team? Because I know at this point, tennis is an individual sport to get to college. But when yeah. you get to college, there's a lot of talented people and you're all trying to win a national title to get together. Yeah, um, I I definitely felt that way. Like, I, I did play high school tennis, which, I mean, I did have that team experience. I was still competing in juniors in high school as well, though. So not competing on, on juniors or tour or anything, but playing for your team and trying to get that point on the board or a couple points on the board just for the your teammates on the other sides of you on the other courts. Um, definitely, definitely, that was like the first time I felt like I was on a team. And it's a cool feeling that they can make an individual sport like a team right. sport. So. And being a student at Mizzou away from the tennis court had to be a pretty fun experience as well. I mean, you, you could have picked the worst place <laughs> yeah. to be a college athlete. Yeah. So, um, But from there, still chat with Rachel Stolman on the Money Mitch Effect. You get to that transition period that every athlete has to go through when they're, you know, they're graduating, they're done playing their sport. Did, did you have any, you know, aspirations to keep it going, by the way? Were you thinking about playing after college? Did that cross your mind at all? Yeah, it did. Um, I remember after my best season, which was my sophomore year, I remember, like, actually thinking, like, I'm, I want to drop out of college. Like, I want to go on tour right now. Like, I'm, I'm ready for it. Um, and coaches and parents sat me down kind of talked like gotta be realistic here let's let's get another couple years in and so uh I did want to play since I was little I wanted to play professional um just didn't work out it's very very hard to make it on tour um if you don't have sponsors if you don't have the um, financial leg aid for you to play on tour just hard to make it and um I've got friends who who I'm very proud of it and, and excited for but I know it's it's hard it's a grind and and so um I just didn't want to go through that and I decided to just do what I felt was best for me at the moment and that was to get um a secure source of in- income so yeah I think people don't understand with tennis how the money is really top heavy it's right. top dominated and it's hard it's it's hard for players that aren't ranked in the top 50 or 60 to make a good living yeah. I can say great living especially but it's tough, and, and when you have players from all over the world, literally at this point, that are that are yeah. playing, it's tough. But and when you were at Mizzou, you were uh, originally, I think, a sports management major. Mm-hmm. You, you did that, and then what? To talk me through this, what got you into fitness to coaching? Was that just still being a fan of the game? Did something yeah. spark that? Or so? Um, I mean, I've always, always tennis has always been my passion, but. Um, when I was young in high school, I'd been obsessed with working out. I just loved it. And, mm-hmm. and I would write up workouts for my friends and for my siblings. And, and I would work out extra all the time. So I, I knew I did have this passion for fitness as well as tennis. And through my four or five years at Mizzou, I was focused on, on the tennis part. And when I decided to um, continue coaching and not, not go on tour or anything, 
I decided to get back into fitness and, and kind of combine my two passions. So. Because you started with some internships, right, at Mizzou, yeah. where you were you were working with some teams there, training them. Were those great experiences? Did they, you know, open your eyes a little bit? Were they, you know, stepping stones for this career you have now? Yeah, they definitely were. Um, those couple internships were for one of my classes. It was what I had to do in order to, um, to I guess, graduate with the degree. And both really helped just working with the college athletes. I worked with men's golf team and men's track and field team it was really cool to uh, actually kind of see the different um, workout plans for both teams and and then I also worked at this uh, Columbia Speed Academy which we worked with younger athletes and and high school and and some colleges on on their speed and mechanics and that kind of stuff so that was also really cool and I know it sounds like a gag but the golf golf team really is in shape like you have to be at a certain level of fitness to play (laughs) any sport even even golf were, were they receptive and i don't say this like being mean at all oh, but no. listening to you listening yeah. to you tell them what to do obviously with the resume but yeah i remember listening? being like kind of fearful like i don't know if i should say anything if, if they're gonna listen to me but when i when i uh, said something they they always listen and and did exactly like what i told them to do and they were just like very respectful and everything so that that definitely gave me confidence as well that i can work with any kind of athlete yeah. And I guess at this point as well, you led some boot camps and got into that side of things. Mm-hmm. What, describe that process for me. I'm, I'm not really familiar with it. What's that like? How do you prepare and then ultimately run like one of these? Running a boot camp. Um, well, obviously, you got to make the program and then you got to market for it. So um, I think that was during when I was at Wilson's in Columbia. I ran a boot camp or two. And, um, we, and I would just put out flyers, tell people and... And I guess that was kind of how it got started. So. Okay. Well, it's fascinating because you're at a point in your life where you're still kind of not sure, but it sounds like you're getting your experience, you're getting your reps, and you're you're, you know, learning. You're getting practical experience with what you want to do. At what point did you think maybe I want to be a tennis pro? Maybe I might need to travel because I know it took you to, all the way to Idaho. Yeah. At what point was that a serious consideration? Right. So um, after I was graduating in March and um, I gr- I was finishing Mizzou at March, and then I remember going home to St. Louis and I and actually talking to Coach Zitch over at SLU, St. Louis University, and mm-hmm. he said come and be a, a volunteer assistant with the SLU men's team. And so those two months, the rest of their season, I coached them and we went and traveled to the Atlantic 10 championship in Ohio. And that was such a great experience. I loved it. But um, really, um, when it comes to making money coaching wise, uh, it seems that country clubs would be. And so I was kind of reaching out to different country clubs and different country clubs reached out to me and and uh, at the end of the day, this place in Sun Valley, Idaho, just was the best was the best kind of gig for me. So I went out there for 10 months and and uh, and had a pretty good experience out there coaching. I learned a lot and learned that being on my feet 10, 12 hours a day was, was just tough for me on court. Um, so I decided to kind of get back into the fitness right. kind of world. So. It was a different kind of grind, I'm assuming, yeah. where it, it would probably be hard for someone in that situation to worry about themselves because you have a 12-hour gig where you're on the grind and then it's like worrying about fitness and Mm -hmm. and staying in shape after that. 
Yeah. And also living in Idaho, too. I don't know. I I don't know many people that have, so props to you for that. It was actually a beautiful, beautiful city. I mean, it really is. And I would tell people if they have a chance to go to it. Really? I don't know anywhere else in Idaho, but Sun Valley. Valley, Yeah. I think Boise. Yeah, Boise is a city that I'm familiar with, but that's about it. But all right, Rachel. So at this point, you decide you want to get back into training and coaching. And and what's the next step for, for creating this brand that you've gotten at this point where you're able to get people to take lessons from you because I, I think it's fair to say there's a lot of people out there that want to be coaches that want to train people but it's hard to actually build up a clientele and mm-hmm. do it what was your plan of attack for doing just that right so um when I moved back to St. Louis I was fortunate enough to accept a job um, at this local gym here and and St. Louis like we talked about before is a very um tennis city and so a lot of people tennis players at this gym they took interest that I did play tennis and I work with a lot of tennis players over there, but it's cool because I also work with many different athletes and, and all different ages, and so I just love it, the variety right now. So, What would you say your favorite demographic is to work with? Some people yeah. say kids, some yeah. people say that teenage high school level, some, some, level, some say adults. Yeah. What, what say you? I definitely love like the high level. Like um, I trained, I trained this guy who is a running back at Mizzou currently and another guy who is a cornerback at Northern Illinois and then okay. I also train a f- friend from my high school who plays for the Bears and then um, so I just like love that professional level I've, I've worked with a few very highly ranked tennis players as well which has been just so fun because they're so dedicated they, they already know what they're doing they want to get better they're there to get better and on the other hand I also love like older adults I just love them I've always like I'm not trying to sound yeah I love old people I just do so so uh, I they're so wise and always teaching you something while you're teaching them so yeah and I think that goes the same for kids too as Mm -hmm. well Um, but what are some of the things that are similar across sports because you're a tennis player and you you mentioned football players I always point to like footwork being important across Mm -hmm. all levels of sports but what can you as a trainer that has a, a sports-specific background, what are some of the things you can offer to people that play different sports? Yeah, so um, I feel like I have a good sense of knowledge when it comes to agility and footwork. Um, working with a couple of the football players, they actually taught me a few things about their positions. Like cornerback, they got to learn how to move their hips fast, so keeping that in mind and things like that, just coming up with different drills that are more sports-specific for them. I work with a swimmer, so obviously we're not doing as much footwork. But we, we might be doing some um, like plyo press jumps because she needs to work on her flip turn or something like that. So just just being mindful and um, thinking about their sport and what they need to work on specifically. And I'm sure it takes asking some questions because there's certain mm-hmm. things you probably don't know about individual right. sports and what their what their routine is, what they need to be be mindful of. But that's good though. I mean, it's building that base and and there's probably not too many different types of athletes you haven't come in contact with at this point. Yeah. I would say I have worked with mostly every athlete. Well, Rachel stole my money, Mitch Effect. I have some tennis-specific okay. questions for you I want to go over with you, just because, you know, I like chopping up tennis-wise <laughs> with people that know their stuff. I know you've gone on record saying that you grew up a diehard, passionate fan of Serena Williams. Is that mm-hmm. accurate? Yeah, she's definitely my favorite tennis player um, on the female side. So I mean, at sure. this point, it's pretty obvious she's the best ever in yeah. her sport. and. I just wonder what's next for her because we were just having this discussion. The only thing she really hasn't done is win a Grand Slam as a mother. 
So if she wins one when she comes back, I mean, I hate to say it because she's still playing at a high level, but she's done all there is. I don't know how many (laughs) more years she has left. Yeah. Um, no, I actually, I, I know some, some other people have asked me what, what next after she has this child, is she coming back or is she going to retire? Um, but I just watched a Ted talk that she did recently and she said she definitely wants to play some more tennis and, and has some more years in her. Uh, she said she gets inspiration from her older sister Venus yeah. and, uh, uses that to kind of ex- inspire her to play a strong, uh, minded and, and and ready to play Serena is just dangerous. I think she's got a good few years left in her to win a bunch more Grand Slams. So. You look at Serena and you just see that competitive heart of a champion. That's mm-hmm. what I'll remember. Is There's a lot of majors she's won easily, but there's a lot that she had to grind out, saving a bunch of match points along the way. Uh, just an absolute all-time great competitor. I was truthfully more of a Venus fan, and I say <laughs> because of the, I'm an older brother, that dynamic of... <laughs> Venus handling the fact with class that she got passed by her younger sister. And Venus, who, let's face it, if Serena wasn't around, would probably have like 15 yeah, or 16 so majors herself. But so that true. was the thing. You know, she she's Venus to me making the final of Wimbledon, mm-hmm. you know, at her age is just remarkable too. But I think they've both been just great role models for the game. I, I, Venus especially that, you know, it's... It's kind of sad that they're rounding third and heading home in their tennis career. It's been about 20 years, over 20 years now. Yeah, I know. I mean, they're they're so iconic and, I mean, such great examples of of elite athletes. And, I mean, they're great players. So, I mean, we're at a point in the men's and women's games where the men's game, it's the same old guard hanging around. I almost feel like they're underappreciated in a way. Like, we don't understand how rare this is. Yeah. Um, I, I know. And I was thinking that too, like, cause, uh, I think ESPN or something had like a story of, if Serena is underappreciated and I would just hope that like anyone that like cares about sports, like whatsoever, or, like any tennis player, like would actually appreciate the greatness of like how, how she is. She's amazing. She's the best tennis player to ever play the game. So by, by like a, a long. Yeah. I mean, there, there's nobody that I mean, she passed Steffi Graf's record. I think that was all that really did, was yeah. for her left to do. On the men's side, I mean, what Roger Federer has done this year, and Nadal coming back too. But those two guys, how they how they took the game to new heights ten years ago, and they're still carrying the torch. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, Federer could win three majors this year, and, and I'm on record as him being one of my all time favorite athletes in any sport, but. Mm-hmm. Just the willingness to compete even during that five-year stretch when he wasn't winning anything. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And he's I think he's playing some of the best tennis of his life now. Like, he just looks he just looks so clean out there. And, and, and how does he find that backhand after these years? I, I remember know. four years ago, he's in his early 30s. It was kind of, a, I don't want to say liability because that's a little disrespectful, but it wasn't a strong shot. It was right. one of his weaknesses. And now it's unstoppable maybe the best in the game no yeah he i mean his backhand is truly amazing he's just moving around the court very very well like you would have no idea he's 35 he's moving so well i think that that's another thing like people were going on tour at a very very young age and and now i i don't think there's as much of a, of a rush because you can more players are playing in um in college now that want to go on tour and then then after when they're 21 22 they'll have about 10 years of their career yeah. left that they can play and um, with a degree. So I just think that like 
it's actually inspiring and, and people and what did Brad, Brad Gilbert just tweeted like happy birthday Federer was just Fed, his birthday the other day he was like happy birthday Federer uh, 36 is the new 26 or something for tennis so yeah. I think it's kind of cool well and I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to ask you as well we're seeing you know, 30 used to be this mythical number when you hit 30 you're on the downside and mm-hmm. now we look at who the best players are on men and even women it's a lot of people that are at the red or over 30 there's the college side that you brought up, but I also think training has a lot to do with it. Right. I don't remember <laughs> stories about Macaron and Connors going to the weight room yeah. back in their day. Now it's all about fitness, training, you're, you're eating right. Mm-hmm. That's got to play a factor, I would think. Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. Like these these players, they all have teams now. They'll, they have their coach. They have their PT. They may have a nutritionist. They'll have a masseuse. They'll have everyone on their team always available for them and, and they have their schedules kind of down to a T for what they do and practice daily so I think that that certainly like the structure and then the whole team dynamic is what's kind of maybe different from and I think going getting older as a tennis fan is just my personal opinion you start to appreciate the game more you start to even appreciate the players that you might not have rooted for mm-hmm. and for me it wasn't at all and the <laughs> older I get the more of an appreciation I have for his game and yeah. for his commitment because you just have yourself boxed into that rivalry mm-hmm. you know but I think it's going to be it's going to be a I don't want to say a sad state but an interesting state when these guys hang it up I know I like can't even think about it I don't even know like what's it going to be like when the yeah. when the fab four is is gone like I, I don't know I guess it'll be a new um new fab four coming in well, do you have some other favorite players on either the men's or women's side? Maybe some younger players that you think we should buy some stock in now? Yeah. Well, not younger yet. I like, I'm loved Rafael Nadal. I just have not expressed to you my love for Rafael okay, Nadal no. yet. Have at it. The floor is yours. <laughs> so, no, he's been my favorite player since I was very young, along with Serena. And, um, I mean, his how he gives 110% every single point. You never see him take a point off. And uh, how he's such a humble winner and a gracious loser is, is, I mean, he's an example for all young athletes, athletes at what, what a, um, like, classy sports player should be like. So, um, so yeah, I love Rafael Nadal. Uh, young players, I'm trying to think. It's a few um, good U.S., United States players on up and coming. I like Zverev a lot. Oh, um, yeah. He's really good. And, and he actually seems pretty even keeled on court. Like, he seems like he has his stuff together. He's got some emotion, too. But lately, I think that he's had his... But good emotion. There's, yeah. There's, there's a difference between having personality and just letting it go yeah. full bore. And you're dead on with Nadal. I, I hated to admit it at first. <laughs> More, also only because I had a younger brother and sister, and they would just antagonize me whenever he would beat Federer. But, no, he, he's just a shining example. Zverev's a good one. Dominic Team, I'm a big fan. Yeah, of. I'd same. like to see him keep it going. Yeah. On, on the women's side... Yeah. I was really happy that Ostapenko won the French Open and then didn't immediately regress at the fight. Because you see that too much now where you yeah, win a major. Jeannie and then, Bouchard and yeah, Wimbledon exactly. and four, what, 14. And, yeah. yeah. Doesn't yeah. win it, but you know she's looking like a shell of herself. Muguruza could be the next like great young well player. Yeah. Um, only 23 years old. But yeah. the game itself, I mean, there's a lot of good to it, but there's some bad too because there's some, some players, especially on the men's side, that... I don't want to say it's all the Australians, yeah. but there's like a maturity level thing going on. Yeah. Curios, Bernard Tomic, I mean, yeah. those guys, even on the American side, Jack Sock, we're seeing guys that have all this talent in the world, but when they lose, they don't really handle it well. Do yeah. you think that's 
a maturity level that'll get there? Is it yeah. some, an entitlement factor? What do you think? It I could think be? I think it is a maturity maturity level that uh, in time they'll kind of get over. I remember reading some about how Roger Federer used to just slam his rackets all the time when he was like at a young age, and um, and then just kind of going through the experiences, playing more tournaments, and and just growing a more like a greater appreciation for the game. As far as the attitude, like. Tomich saying that's where I draw the line. Right? That, like, like you, you just there's no excuse. <laughs> well, I'm I'm willing to give everyone the benefit of the doubt on instant reactions on the court. Yeah, it's comments to the media after, and it's repeated, you know, infractions. So right. with Curios, I mean, the guy has more talent than he's a top five talent right now in tennis. I firmly believe that, but. To win a major, I mean, what is it, seven? You have to win seven matches, seven best of five matches. Yeah, right. I just don't think he has that in him, and I don't know that he ever will. Yeah. Um, I think it was McEnroe who said, because he kept retiring, that he's not training hard enough or smart enough, and yeah. that's probably true. Yeah, I think that might that might be the case. Hopefully, like, in the next few years, because he certainly does have the talent. He's so one of the most talented players on tour. Hopefully, he'll kind of figure it out and, and be able to – Get to that semifinals, finals of a of a Grand Slam tournament within the next few years. So yeah, I'm I'm hopeful too. We need some new young blood. In <laughs> yeah, this sport. I mean I like watching better and Serena still win, but we need some young blood. Right. Rachel Stoneman, Money Mitch, a couple of quick questions before I let sure. you go. Getting out of the coaching side, you you work with uh, and on a tennis front, a lot of players, a lot of them young as well. What advice would you give to young players about how they train, about what steps they would make to take their career into their own hands? Yeah, so first off, I would tell like young players um, that depending on what their goals are, I would ask them their goals. If, if it's to be an elite college, Division One athlete, to be on tour, you got to know that there are a lot of sacrifices you have to make. You're going to miss out on holidays. You're going to miss out on birthdays, even little things like school dances and things like that just because you're training, because you're going to these tournaments, because you're practicing. So um, just making sure that you have that priority as, as tennis comes first right now. Um, instead of other things and that's one thing that they need to also um remember and then also just just maintaining your body make sure you're eating correctly make sure that you're stretching just little things like that just staying on top of of everything and it's a challenge but um you see like the the greatest athletes they kind of have a uh, handle on all of those kind of sides of it and it's cumulative if you slack one day it'll just build up right it'll be bad well we mentioned earlier, but do you think more players should be going to college instead of turning pro early? Are you Actually, in that like, camp? Yeah, that's a it's a it's a pretty um, cool kind of spot today that's happening because like people are kind of realizing, oh well, I can actually save money or in children's parents, are, I can save money if my child gets a Division One college college um, athletic scholarship. They'll get free equipment. They'll get um, free coaching, free training, free. Um, like uh let's see treatment rehab but also they'll get that experience to play depending on where they they're going they'll they'll get that experience to play like the high level matches the different different um schools the different players that are also division one um scholars so uh and then not only that but like i was saying before they'll come out of college at like 21 22 years old and and still have like a good 10 years to play on tour there's not a rush along with that they'll have a degree that they could possibly right. use. And the fact that college has gotten better, you'll be tested, you'll learn to lose as well. Yeah. I think going back to our old discussion, I think a lot of what's wrong with some of these players is they just had won at every age yeah. and given everything and now they're seeing their own blood like, why am I losing? How can this happen? They're not used to it. They haven't yeah. learned to 
come back hard so after true. a loss. So that's so true. But it does also give you hope, like seeing John Isner on tour, seeing like Irina Falcone and yeah, Steve and Johnson, Steve, yeah, yeah, Kevin Anderson at Illinois. Mm-hmm. All these, all these good players that are having starting to have some success on tour, which which used to not be the case at all. So. And when you're training people, tennis and otherwise, what are some of the bad habits you see, you see that you're just like, oh, I wish that wouldn't be there. I wish that yeah. was corrected at an earlier age. Yeah, so I definitely fell into this as well. And that was just um, stretching. That's yeah. like an, everybody an, says that. And it's so right. true. But to feel like you don't realize that until you're an adult. Yeah, and a lot of the tennis players that I worked with, they have very, very um, tight hamstrings. And I remember I got a back injury in college my sophomore year. I asked them, why did I get this injury? They said, because you have tight hamstrings. And, and so it, it all kind of adds up, but just stretching more, just remembering to stretch and staying on top of it um, so that you have that mobility and flexibility. So. Is that, in addition to stretching, I guess, what other areas can athletes get better at? And, and people in general that aren't maybe training for anything, where can you improve? I know diet is probably oh, is that, at the top that was, of the list. That's going to be my answer. That's for sure going to be my answer. If it's just like general people, if you have a – specific workout plan that's great for you you also are going to need a great nutrition plan that will also be great for you as well um so just kind of finding a balance there and and that that will make all the difference with the success you see so i mean i was never and this is me personally but i think portion control is the biggest thing because i think people you know wind themselves up thinking i can only eat this much of that and this much but if you just have a plan of i'm only going to eat a certain amount i think that's the better way to do it yeah, I definitely would agree with that. And, and just a variety of foods, lots of vegetables, and, and just, yeah, I think portion size is okay. You never want to cut something out too much of your yeah, diet. Exactly. But uh, for sure, you're right on there. So. You want it to be sustainable. Right. You don't want people to go crazy, you know. Yeah. Um, but what have you learned now from being a coach? Maybe something from your coaches? Because I have, yeah. to, I have to bring up the special relationship you had with one of your coaches from uh, the Newcomb Tennis School that went to Mizzou. Yeah. Uh, Jason Pothoff, do I have that name correct? Yeah. Is there something you maybe learned from him that you now apply when you're coaching? I honestly have learned the most from uh, my childhood coach, Craig Sandvig. He's um, he's over at Sunset Tennis Center cranking along, but he uh, he actually kind of took me under his wing when I was really young. He saw me playing and, and then decided to give me lessons. He taught me so much. He's helped me even today, uh, up to today. Like He helps me all the time and teaches me. A whole lot, and then um, I told you before that uh, I have had, I had, I ended up having three different coaches in college. Oh no way! <laughs> so learning different coaching dynamics, learning, uh, seeing how like different they coach, and and seeing how great they were, and in different ways, I I try and take what each of them has taught me and put it into my own like coaching philosophy and and so just kind of learning from them and then also I forgot to mention another coach I had younger Troy Bray he's fabulous as well and I learned a lot from him too so uh and I also developed a greater appreciation for them like I remember after coaching the first time for a while calling them be like I'm sorry I was such a brat those times (laughs) So. Yeah, no, you'd you be on the other side of that fence, you understand yeah, what they were definitely. going through. Well, were you one of the people that took notes? Because I know a lot of people that think about getting into coaching will write some stuff down and will try to compose like a binder of like lessons that they learned along the way. I think Steve Kerr was the one in the NBA that I first heard about doing that. Yeah, you know what? I didn't take notes, but me- something as far as like mental notes. I remember yeah. just, I always remember like the certain great qualities of the coaches that I had and and I mean they always stay with me so and one final one before I let you go the sport of tennis a great sport one of the best there is maybe the best there is but what changes (laughs) do you think can be made to improve it on a 
youth or, or even a professional level or somewhere in between? What can tennis do to help itself? I think right now USTA has done a fabulous job of like kind of staying on top of um, of things like they developed the ten and under program for the for the kids that are, are younger and smaller rackets, smaller courts, things like that. So making that um, available to the youth. Um, also, just little things like I know USTA just had um, a couple courts open in East St. Louis for other players to um, be able to play some tennis over there, and then. Just uh, all the leagues, everything that they're doing. I think USTA is pretty much on top of everything. Um, I don't think there. I know that there there are some tough stuff going on with the college where they're trying to change the format of things to make it more viewable. I guess you would say for for fans. Um, so I know that they're kind of figuring that out while trying to make it still um, good for the players. So I know that's a challenge, but uh, I think that it's it's just great. It's up and coming. So many people are playing it, and it's becoming super, more and more popular, I feel like, the sport of tennis. So uh, that's pretty cool as well. Right, just increasing access to the game. So right, more exactly. More people uh, yeah. can play. Well, Rachel Snowman, this was fun. I did have one last thing I wanted to bring up. Okay. This is going to be a big couple months for the tennis community with movies coming out. Oh, and yeah. I have to, you know, you got the Billie Jean King, Bobby Riggs, Bad All the Sexes, and the Macro Borg movie yeah. with the... Uh, Shia LaBeouf, which, by the way, I mean, he, he shot that right-handed. I, I thought that was a little odd, and they're going to reverse him. Oh, interesting. I did not know that. Lefty. Yeah. But I, I've been curious. Why do you think, and maybe it'll change now, but we really haven't had a good tennis movie. No. What was it, like Wimbledon? Well, like Wimbledon was just a disaster. <laughs> I, there, Wimbledon was bad. Uh, I can't even really think of any other ones unless you count the Andy Samberg one, but that was uh, yeah. more of a, a comedy than anything. Uh, yeah, but yeah, that, yeah. Do you think that this will do it, or... Do you think it's the, the shooting action? Because it might be yeah. hard to shoot tennis players right. like a rally and make it look good. Yeah, um, I think that this will actually draw more attention to the sport and get people a little bit more excited about it. Um, I think that people won't notice like if, if the strokes are bad, unless you are like a real good tennis player, like a tennis coach, and you can yeah. see. But I don't think that people will kind of notice like, oh, that's a pretty bad shot. Who knows though that these these actresses and, and people yeah. they have they might actually be. We just gotta keep Kirsten Dunst away from right? the future tennis movies. <laughs> but oh you know the, the battle of the sexes was bigger than than the tennis was, story. Yeah, so but cool. Borg Macaro that has the potential to maybe you know if they can do that one right. Oh yeah. To the all time greatest. And, I think that and could like be that. so cool. Is that gonna be in English or is it gonna be? I heard it was gonna be. I think I don't know. I know yeah. I know Shia LaBeouf is gonna be speaking in English from the preview that I watched. Okay. But yeah, um, I can't wait to see him. Both of them. Yeah, should be fun. Finally, some uh, some good tennis. Yeah. For Rachel Stolman, thanks for joining the show. Of thanks for fitting me into the schedule. And for everybody out there listening, you know, where can we find you and what's next on the horizon? Okay, so um, I you guys can follow me on Instagram and it's at rstoolman and I've got Twitter as well at rstoolman. I've got a Facebook page Rachel Stoolman and I also have my website where I will be um, dropping some tennis specific workouts and that is rachelstoolman.com which will be hopefully dropping within the next month or two. Um, so really excited about all that. It's going to be a big couple months. I'm mm -hmm. looking forward to it as well. But thanks again for coming on the Money Mitch Effect. Of course. Thanks for having me. Big thanks to Rachel Stoneman for taking time out of her day. Her very, very busy day. She does so much. But thanks for Rachel coming on to the show and breaking it all down. I, uh, I had some slips there. She was number one. Just want to reiterate that. Number one in Missouri. 
uh, but you know, she was great. She answered every question I had, and it was uh, a good discussion. And she talked about Zverev before he won that tournament. She talked about Alexander Zverev before he won the Rogers Cup. We recorded that on a Friday, so maybe some future telling there. But best of luck to her uh, with everything that she's doing. I'm, I'm excited to see how her career goes. I know it's on an upward track, so hope to uh, catch up with her on this show again. And thanks to everybody out there for listening to the Money Mitch Effect. That was a road trip. It was something I was trying to uh, do. I hadn't done too much of. I'd like to do more of in the future. But thanks again to everybody out there for listening. If you like this episode and if you like this series at all, maybe one of the 99 episodes we're at now, you can listen and subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, and SoundCloud. Go ahead and leave a review if it's good. If not, forget I said anything. But you can listen to all the episodes of the Money Mitch Effect and the entire catalog there. You can follow me at Twitter, Money Mitch M21. And yeah, that's going to do it for this uh, episode of the Money Mitch Effect. The next episode will be number 100. So I think I got to plan it big for that. We got football season coming up. All the fantasy leagues are starting. And it is a good sports time of year. U.S. Open. U.S. Open. Only two weeks away. Less than two weeks now. Got to get up for that. But I am Mitch Michaels. Thanks again to Rachel Stuhlman. Brian Nelson for supplying the logo. Tim Adams for the beats. And thanks to everybody out there who listens and makes this show what it is. This was the Money Mitch Effect. I am Mitch Michaels signing off. Keep enjoying sports, everybody.